The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. Also, worth mentioning, the temperature, minus four. So it's a chill start to the day. Here to warm you up are our panelists on round one. Vaz Bednar, Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. Anne-Marie Aikens, Media and Crisis Communications Leader. Courtney Betty of Betty's Law, but perhaps more importantly, Dad to Justice Betty. Courtney, you can play Proud Papa here for a second. Mm. Hey, just really happy that both Justice and me and my daughters were nominated and elected for Forbes Under 30. So they made the Forbes Under 30 list for 2023. So really happy about that, John. Well, congratulations. Wow. Yay. Yeah. That's excellent. I'm still waiting to be like McLean's Magazine Best Under 60, but... <laughs> okay, it's not the sexiest of files, but it's the file everybody's been talking about nonstop for two years, housing. And yesterday, Justin Trudeau ponied up $471 million. And in exchange, Toronto has agreed to try to accelerate building. Anne-Marie Aikens, I'll start with you. Does this actually make a difference? Well, it does, um, but not today. It won't make a difference. And uh, that's uh, my biggest concern when you, it's not going to, people aren't going to see changes immediately, but in the long term, they will. And if Toronto can get its act together and really, you know, speed up approvals, because it's continues to be the slowest in the country. And we we've identified that for a while. So I'm not sure what's what's holding up them making the change, but they really do need to make the change or actually a lot of this cash won't come. So so that's good, but we still need some sh- very short-term today solutions. Faz Bednar, there certainly was a lot of froth yesterday. The housing minister was doing the media circuit. Olivia Chow and Justin Trudeau were hugging, but I guess, you know, they all need a win. Everyone needs a win. I mean, people are looking at, I think, the capital G government to support the stimulation of more housing growth. So we kind of get into the nitty gritty details of which orders of government are doing what and how. But I think at the end of the day, for the average person, we're expecting or we see a larger role for the state here. Right. But the reality is, as Anne-Marie touched on, we've you know, allowed most of our housing stock to be provided by private actors. And then now we're sort of scratching our heads. We have to do more, get creative, and also keep investing in transit so that people who can't live that close to where they work can still get there and the city can keep moving and working. It is, though, and Vaz, you're pointing this out, and I'm going to flip to Courtney Betty now, but there's a counterintuitive or at least counter basic economics aspect to this. The problem is that in the free market, people who build housing are not interested in affordable housing or subsidized housing or, you know, any kind of housing that isn't just for regular people who can get a mortgage and pay up. Courtney? Well, John, that's exactly what I was going to was going to chip in as well. So if we're really going to take this seriously, and there's two elements. When you look at the plan, there's funds in there, for example, for public housing and all of those things and helping to do those renovations. But I think what's needed right now is a very targeted plan to uh, individuals within certain levels of income that are really the ones that are hardest hit. So it's great to have a, a plan, but let's make sure that we're not just supporting the commercial business for developers. And at the end of the day, the, the individuals who can't afford housing are still stuck in the same place. I was called on Twitter a Karen 
for raising concerns about a cartoon that appeared in the Toronto Sun. It's Volodymyr Zelensky and Joe Biden, and Volodymyr Zelensky is picking Joe Biden's pocket and stealing his wallet, and that's a, an anti-Semitic trope, but I suppose it could be forgiven in the context. But what can't be forgiven is the depiction of Volodymyr Zelensky in a manner that reaches back 150 years, which is, you know, sort of the Shylock Jew. Uh, Courtney Betty, um, some people, like I said, are saying, no, no, it's really funny. And yet the son has finally apologized and said they'll never work with that cartoonist again. Well, I think it's great that the Toronto Sun has come out and apologized. And we're living in such a very sensitive area right now that I think that the, the, the media, John, almost has a double duty in everything that's printed to kind of think, could this be, it could be thought of in this manner or not? So it's great that the son has apologized. And, uh, and also the prime minister had mentioned that, you know, they, they should be very careful in what's presented, especially this time as well. Anne-Marie Aikens, this particular cartoon reminded me of a very unapologetic cartoonist in Montreal who for years always drew black people the way they might appear in a minstrel show. Yeah, when I saw it, I thought, oh, this is not going to go well for the, the even for the sun, it's not going to go well. And it was good to see um, the apology. It was well-versed, but I think it was missing a big uh, piece in it in that the only person that really took the uh, the hit for this was the cartoonist, which they should have. Um, but somebody approved that. There were that had to go through a few people before it actually got published. And it did. You know, those don't get posted uh, quickly, easily. You know, there's thought, a thought process. So uh, I didn't hear any of that uh, in her apology in adrian's apology to say we're going to look at our processes and look at how this got approved and uh, make sure that never happens again uh, that was that was completely absent so that was a big miss in, in, uh, that i thought and vas to go to your wheelhouse a cartoon like mm. this is not just a print edition of a newspaper in a canadian city it goes global on the internet Absolutely. I mean, look, big deal for the Prime Minister to speak out about this, especially in a climate where we've just recently moved forward with Bill C-18, right? And people have sort of signaled this resistance to, again, the role of government and intervening in news media markets. So the fact that we can't necessarily always expect the same from digital platforms where content like this travels much faster, I didn't see this cartoon. I'm not picking up the Toronto Sun and it didn't come up in my algorithm. But yeah, I think that's a really important point about uh, where where, and how this media travels and who sees it and where it's probably still making the rounds. Ottawa is offering a settlement program for refugees from Gaza if they have relatives in Canada. I'll come back to you, Vaz, on this one. And of course, I'm getting the usual text from people saying, great, we're going to let a bunch of uh, terrorists into the country. No, there are people who are quite benighted at the moment in a place where a quarter of the population is now starving. Look, it seems important. It seems like it took Canada maybe a little bit of time to pull a program like this together. At the end of the day, we are a country that tries to be a safe haven and welcome all sorts of people here in important ways to keep building the country. And I was I was happy to see this and surprised we hadn't uh, announced it more formally soon. Courtney, sooner yeah. excuse me Courtney Betty it's not necessarily bringing them in and giving them citizenship incidentally it's uh, providing visas pending Gaza being livable again well you know John this this is I think a very positive move 
in what we're doing and what we're going to be seen at in representing on the world stage. Um, it is a process. These individuals are going to go through a lot of security clearance. All of those issues are going to be addressed. As you said, it's not automatic that they're going to be Canadian citizens. It's a temporary period of time. They've got to come in and prove themselves. And I think it sends a message that Canada is still, you know, we've got our own challenges, but we're also looking at it from a humanitarian standpoint. And hopefully we might be able to send a message to other countries that have been hesitant in trying to step in. Yeah, Anne-Marie, it's interesting the point Courtney was just making because I was thinking about Syria and people thought that that was going to blow up in our face when we started bringing in Syrian refugees. And what most people didn't know is you had to go through an interview process and a background check that went on for months. And I think you had to go through three different interviews with three different Canadian security officials. Yeah, well, I, I agree with all the points uh, that have been made about um you know, Canada, can we are, we are known to do this, and uh, and I'm glad we're doing it. Um, the, the one thing that I really worry about is that uh, the, the, the toxic climate right now in Canada, uh, this is unusual to see in Canada. Not that it doesn't happen. It always has happened. We've always had anti-Semitism. We've always had, anti we've always had racism, but it's at such a toxic level right now. I worry about them when they come here what they're going to face will they be have a, a you know welcoming open arms from most canadians but uh, i worry about their safety and so i hope the canadian government government is thinking about that um you know they they better than they thought about it when they think about refugees when they come here and that's why we're seeing them on the street it's like yes we welcome you in here and then just expect somebody else to take care of them so i hope they have a a better uh, post-settlement um, plan for them. Newfoundland and Labrador hockey is getting rid of post-game handshakes for kids. They say there have been issues. I think that's the point, isn't it, Courtney Betty? You have to learn to set those issues aside and shake hands. John, this is, you know, I, I, I pride myself on uh, being a basketball player through high school and university and loving and coaching and working with young people. And this is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. I mean, this is what's important at the end of the game, getting teams together, shaking hands. I now see them doing an actual professional sports a lot more. So why are Newfoundland is doing this? To me, it makes no sense at all. It's funny. I'm just remembering Anne-Marie Aikens that it was from my junior hockey coach that I learned to shake a hand because it wasn't on the ice after a game. It was uh, before the game, but I was tying up my skates and he put out his hand and I didn't look up and I shook it and he said, hey, you look a man in the eyes and you pay attention when you're shaking his hand. There's a lot of language to a handshake. Oh, a lot of language. Oh, uh, if you're a woman, you've you've known when you get that that little weak handshake when uh, uh, um, a man puts his hand out and only shakes your tips of your fingers. It, it just sends a chill through me. So that's what it th I thought of. It does. It's a it's a language in and of itself. And uh, my father taught me the same thing. But um I thought this was ridiculous as well. Absolutely ridiculous. My first thought was, are they worried about germ spreading again? Are we are we back there? But no, this is ridiculous. Then uh, I think if you that isn't the way to fix a kid's behavior is by removing the, uh, the those kind of those those demonstrations of self-respect and respect for one another, um, like the handshake. It's just ridiculous. I I think they need to have the parents handshaking <laughs> at the start of a game that's and the idea. end because that's where it seems the hostility and a lot of the problems are, right? So I also exactly. thought 
it was silly and it's an important part of sports. If anything, we probably have to go double click there and help support young people, you know, finding ways to compliment opponents. Seriously, you know, when you even when you get beat to be able to be like, hey, that was a great that was a great move. Yeah. Like, congrats, like good game. It's a good feeling to have a good game. But uh, yeah, you got to bring the handshakes back. A professor at Indiana University School of Medicine says that Barbie has been found somewhat wanting in the science and medical uh, division. One of the problems would be she has open, loose hair as a doctor, which is uh, not a good practice. 57% of medical Barbies wear high heels. They never mask and they don't have gloves. Anne-Marie Aikens, is this, is this a problem? <laughs> Who studied this? Like, who went to the trouble of studying that to whether or not Barbie? I'm not sure she was ever put herself out there as a as a professional anything uh, other than a toy. And uh, it's uh, that was I, I, I thought, what a waste of time. What a waste of time. <laughs> and, and money and money. Vance <laughs> Bednar, I'm still trying to imagine the gloves that Barbie would wear and trying to slip those plastic <laughs> gloves on. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Look, I mean, this is maybe uh, far, far too, too much at the end of a spectrum that focuses on particular types of representation. I think Barbie has done a good job with more than 250 careers, exposing people to different jobs uh, or, or sectors that they may pursue employment in, but also uh, having the right Barbie can't be your career strategy. Thank you all. <laughs> good to have you. Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you in the new year. Have a great day, John. <laughs> Vass Bednar, Courtney Betty, Anne-Marie Aikens, round two coming your way at 845. Right after the news, we'll have a year-end chat with, well, she's currently the mayor of Mississauga, but she has another hat to wear. We'll be talking with Bonnie Crombie.